0: everyone, and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Thank you so much for joining us. We are brought to you by progressivechristianity.org. We hope you will check out the wonderful resources available at progressivechristianity.org. Follow them on social media and follow us on social media as well. I'm here with my good buddy, Mark. How are you doing today, Mark?
1: Doing great, Caleb. Doing great.
0: And are you ready to talk about avatar the way of water because that's
1: i am so ready i can't wait to hear your perspectives on a bunch of this so i'm very excited this is going to be good
0: it's a very rich show it's going to be a lot of fun but since we're going to be talking about it and since it's pretty new something you need to know is that this is a zone that is filled with spoilers you're going to find out a lot about avatar the way of water (laughs) but that's okay it'll just whet your appetite
1: they oh, wet. Did, did you throw that that? Oh, chin. Yeah, well played. <laughs> wet your appetite. I like now, it. Speaking
0: of things that are wet, uh, how about uh, what you're drinking today, Mark? What are you drinking?
1: Well, since uh, this particular avatar went the way of the water, um, I went with a, a, a ocean-themed drink. So I'm having a deep blue sea martini, which is Ooh. vodka, blue carousel. Uh, and then some um, white um, cranberry juice. So, And it, it has this lovely kind of ocean tone to it. So for those who are watching live, you can see the nice blue ocean theme there. It's flashing so,
0: kind of back and forth. Like
1: yeah, it's got that yeah. kind of movement. I love it. How about you, man? What did you decide to go with for the show?
0: So, Mark, it is cold and flu season. Uh, Indeed. Including- even in San Diego, it is cold and flu season. Yeah. And so right before this show, I started off with a shot of Dayquil. Uh, because oh, no. you know, since my, uh, my older one has brought home a, a cold. So <laughs> since, uh, since I am doing Dayquil, I am not drinking alcohol today. But this is a smart the move. Way the way of water. And so I took yeah. that very literally. I've got LaCroix, lime LaCroix water uh, with blue food coloring. <laughs> it Looks like it looks like water, and it I like it. It's it, like Avatar. It, it,
1: it looks like we color coordinated our drinks.
0: yeah that look great? So,
1: there, cheers, sir.
0: Cheers, Mark. See you after a drop. And Jesus.
1: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You are joining us for our Geek Out section, where Caleb and I hints to reveal the actual geeks that we truly are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And today, as he's already filled you in on, we're looking at Avatar, The Way of the Water, the follow-up to the blockbuster the top ever selling blockbuster film avatar uh, and just for a kind of for those who may not I don't know how anyone hasn't seen avatar and have some idea where we're going on this film but I'll go ahead and give you a quick recap of this film so ultimately this is uh, this is my recap on the lush moon called Pandora our heroes from the first movie whose event happened sometime like 14 years earlier Jake Sully and his Pandoran wife uh, uh, the Tiri have formed a family, and they are all very like a tightly bonded together kind of family. But unfortunately, a former threat resurfaces. That threat, namely being humans, and they target Jake and the Tiri and their family. And they have to leave their home and live with uh, a, a Pandoran clan that has like deep connections to the sea. And in the end, Jake, his family, and even the clan have to end up fighting the humans in order to save their life, save their culture, and, and ultimately, you know, save their world. And that's where uh, we are going to start geeking out from, is talking about our experience of this movie. So Caleb, I, I'm very curious, like, what what did you, what were your expectations going in? And then, like, as you left, how did you feel like they were met or not met? Where, where did it leave you as well?
0: Yeah, so I'm really glad that we watched the, the first Avatar a couple of months Recently. ago yeah. because it had been years. I think neither one of us had seen it since it came out. And so I was glad because I wouldn't have had much of an idea yeah. of what was going on. Because that was like
1: 12 years ago that it came
0: out. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was a blockbuster in large part because of the way that it advanced technology. I, I think mm-hmm. that was very interesting as well, but there was this whole thing around 3D and motion capture and all of this fun stuff. Right. So, um, so I was curious to see, you know, if it would be that big of a deal this go round mm-hmm. because yeah. a lot has changed since 2009. In <laughs> you don't say. we experience movies and what our expectations are of graphics and and all of that, and uh, I was I I went in wondering if i would be impressed at all by it or or yeah, not and, sure uh, absolutely and you know i actually um i left feeling like i liked this movie mm-hmm. as a movie better than i liked the first one i felt like the story was more engaging uh it, it kept me interested more right. and, and i felt myself still very impressed with the with all of the of the the graphics and the way that james cameron was able to bring this to life and i know that yeah. he had to wait for the motion capture technology to catch, to catch up, up with what he yeah. wanted to do because he wanted to go and you know do all these underwater scenes and stuff so i was i was pretty impressed how about you mark uh,
1: i kind of uh i have a i have mixed emotions about the film um I will t- I will share the good ones, and then a little bit later, we'll talk about some of the, my mixed emotions about it. Um, I was the same issue. I was very curious to see, since the first one was such a hit in part because of the technology and seeing something on screen we've really never seen before, uh, I was very curious about that. Since I watched the first one in 3D and was mm, not altogether thrilled with the 3D, yeah. um, I decided I did want to see this one in 3D as well, just mm-hmm. to have a one-to-one comparison. Yeah. Um, I have to say this is the best 3d i've ever seen in my life
0: mm, awesome.
1: this is the first time i was watching a 3d movie because i still do from time to time um this is the first time i've ever watched a 3d movie where the 3d oh. didn't get in the way didn't pull me out of the movie because i could tell it wasn't done particularly well, or they over they used it too much and and it was distracting this mm. was incredibly well done you uh, immediately felt the depth and it didn't feel contrived. It didn't feel forced. I I really love that about it. The visuals were out of this world. Every frame was a piece of art. Um, And the water scenes in particular, as we would expect, um, were just, they're hard to describe how beautiful they were and how real and authentic it felt because they had, they created the largest ever tank of water for a, a, a studio for filming this in and all of the actors and actresses learned to you know do um free diving kind of breath holding techniques where they were uh some of them were up to almost seven minutes worth of holding their breath and so they could do these scenes do motion capture and then put it back into the avatars yeah that part was brilliant i was along with you um the story definitely held my attention uh a lot better than in the first one did and I, i left kind of feeling like they were somewhat equally, in my mind, balanced. Uh, I like both of them for different reasons. But um, this one, I I thought, really, I enjoyed that we stayed with the family and kind of that became a theme of it. Did you you like that it was all centered around the one family and and their relationship and how that played out?
0: I did. And that was one of the key things that I think was a significant kind of change between this one and the first one. I think the first one leaned really heavy on kind of the environmental justice themes, the mother nature, right. the connectedness of all life. And I think the theme of this one was definitely about family. The other stuff was there, and right, um, right. but it, but not to the extent that it was in the first one. I thought that was a good narrative move. And I, I think this also speaks to one of the great things about James Cameron. I think James Cameron is one of the few directors who can make the sequels better than the original? Right. Uh, you know, I mean, Terminator Two or Aliens. You know, he's he's got kind yeah. of track record of of doing that. And to me, it felt like this was a good way to build on the original story. And I think, and I think, certainly in terms of the things we were just talking about, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see uh, an an Oscar for cinematography and this yeah. and for special effects. Um, but I, I did, you know, my it, I was engaged by the story. I, I was invested. But, man, three hours, that's like yeah, a it, long time. Yeah, you know? it really is. And I'll be honest,
1: like, in some ways, the first movie was pretty long as well. And in some ways, the, the, the length of it didn't bother me. Yeah. Um, th- this one, it did feel like there were moments that the pacing was a little too slow. Yeah. And there were parts of what happened where he was just showing off uh, Uh where as the, the story of the family getting acclimated to being in the water and the ocean. And there wasn't any real story that advanced during the period where we saw them learning all this stuff. And it was really as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not too bothered by it because he should have been showing off. There was a lot of him just showing off. Look what we can do now. Look what we can show you. Look how beautiful and magnificent these water scenes are and how realistically they are interacting, um, even though a lot of it's CGI, CGI on top of, of uh, motion capture. I, I think that could have been shortened a bit. I, I don't think it needed to be quite this long. I, don't, I know. Did, did you exactly think being that long that paid off? Or the
0: point that I would have that I would have said hey, mm-hmm. it feels like we could have done a montage, or we could have skipped forward here a little right. bit. And yeah. although there were pieces, of, so like in terms of narrative, I feel yeah. like a lot of that, a lot of it could have been cut or done a little bit differently. It, for The theologian in me kind of liked the the bonding and the exploration of building relationships and stuff, but also that's like not necessarily what makes for a great blockbuster movie right and
1: they did put enough i mean ultimately there's a lot of conflict in in, in the movie i mean i and, and if and, and it and it was necessary conflict and, and it does keep that tension in different places so it doesn't you don't fall down on the emotions of, of the movie at all but here here's the thing so you've got this movie that does all these wonderful things like environmental issues uh addressing corporate greed, uh, colonialism and its impact on native culture and, and, and native rights. Uh, and they a lot of story here about family, about adopted family, about chosen family. So there's all these fantastic pieces that they're really doing um, and, and I love that. but here's what where I I told you I have a complicated relationship your, with this you can drop. Here it is, Here's the where my complicated, there is a lot of machismo posturing going on in this movie that I really did not like. There was a whole lot of violence solves problems that I did not like. There was a whole lot of, 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 the machismo goes to, a really horrible place in this line that I'm sure is going to always be a famous line from the movie where Jake says, a father protects, it gives him meaning. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be a big theme, even to the point that his kids end up uh, confronting other kids who are picking on the sisters and said, I need you to respect my sister. Like it's, that's the male, like I know as a father, while part of my job was to protect That was part of my kid's mom's job too. That was a a piece of being parent, not male, not the father. Um, And this, everything about this movie was so misogynistic in terms of that it's a, that's your main job. And that's what gives you actual meaning is to protect. That's like your key thing. Whereas I know as a father, the thing that gave me the most meaning in terms of raising my kids, and it wasn't because I was a father, but part of being a parent, was teaching them. Yeah, was teaching them even things like these male-female roles that we get we get pushed into by society are a bunch of crap, and you're going to be healthier if you don't see it that way. Um yeah. those were the things that gave me meaning. Did was yeah. were, were those parts? How did how did you uh, handle? They were so clear, you had to have been reacting to them in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I agree that it was problematic, and uh, I mean from the point where we see Jake solely making the decision for his family to move, even though uh, his, his partner doesn't want to, and yeah. uh, and so he makes the decision for the family, what's best for the family, and then we do see these these acts of violence as uh, and as if uh, uh, they have an obligation to to defend the female, and mm-hmm. I I think we also get a pretty clear setup whenever we're talking about like the, the sea beasts, uh, the Tolkien, uh, sea yeah, beast. those giant ones. Yeah. Right. That are, that are like, that are pacifistic. And we get a pretty clear notion that that's, that, that leads to their extinction and that, yeah. that there needs to be acts of violence whenever, whenever you're threatened. And I mean, they set that up pretty clearly for us to to see that that actually what the, what that species is doing is going to lead to extinction and right. so and so you have to retaliate in violence and i'm not sure that we explored the the use of violence in any meaningful way i think that we were force fed the explanation of, of of what that was like and i left feeling like that was pretty problematic uh in the in the same I, way uh, that's
1: that's I exactly me I, I mean
0: going kind I, of about yeah
1: it. and and the more i thought about it the more i realized it detracted from the movie for me like i really think that this is a major issue with the movie like there's so many wonderful things and they are trying so hard to set themselves i mean there's even like this is so crazy i mean there's scenes where in the the tribe and i'm not even gonna try to say their their remember what their name is the tribe that's the, wa- the water tribe um where uh the mother is the, the the head of the whole tribe so like yay okay you're you're doing right things here. There's a scene where they're about to go to war and her husband, who is clearly the general of her army, kind of pats her pregnant belly and says, uh, do you think you should really go? And she was like, I ride. You know, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, because we don't see uh, any, or I was going to say enough, but maybe any of that where the the reality of a pregnant woman is, Pregnant women all the time are walking right up to the time of giving birth, doing all kinds of very physical and and amazing things. So there's this wonderful thing where they, even there, they're trying to show what we should be like, but they fall into this trap over and over again of the misogynistic machismo uh, storyline that just, like I said, the more I sat with the more I became disappointed on the of the movie on that particular point. It's still beautiful. It is still dealing with, like I said, environmental issues, corporate greed, uh, the the colonialism, the way it impacts native peoples. They, all of that they they do wonderful things there that too, too few movies are doing. I just wish they wouldn't had didn't need to have this violence machismo theme. be so. Like ringing throughout the movie,
0: I think you're right, and it really kind of contradicts what the first one did because I feel like the right. first one did a better job of showing the problems with uh, with kind of the machismo and, yeah. and and always resorting to violence as the, as you know the native pandorans only used violence as a last resort, whereas. Right the the earthlings were coming on and they were very aggressive and i yeah. i do i think you're right uh that that we kind of backtracked on that quite a bit
1: <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. well listen we i know you, and you, we always say this and maybe particularly on this movie because it's so full of so much story we could continue to geek out but uh we're out of time now we need to move on to our next segment where we uh kind of delve into the politics and theology our po- Politico Theo, Theo Politico segment of the show, which you will uh, be right back for after this drop. <laughs>
0: Everyone and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we are talking about Avatar: The Way of Water, and we are moving into our theopolitico segment. And so, this is a show that is filled with lots of theology and politics. We could go a lot of different places, but yeah. tell you what, it's the week of Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, so I want to talk about one particular element that stood out for me, and I want to get your perspective on this. We get the oldest child, who, the oldest daughter, the oldest daughter that they've adopted, kind of a right. uh, child who we find out is from a Sigourney Weaver's character in the, in the first show. Uh, and they don't know how she's gotten pregnant or how this daughter has been born. And so we get a divine conception of the oldest daughter. Um, and then we begin to find out that she has some some kind of sacred connection with awa with the the great spirit of pandora tell me mark uh what do you make of that and do you see any parallels with the birth narratives that we find in the gospels
1: well i mean there's certainly the potential for parallels there in terms of of, uh, a a child with no uh, biological father possibly um we don't know that that's the case uh there's, you know, at the beginning, of, a lot early on, they're picking on Kiri, this child. They pick on her that Norm is her father. Um, and it, it could potentially be Norm. That could be uh, her her father. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I'm stuttering a little bit here because you, you just ripped the carpet out from under me for my, <laughs> make, my make me look stupid question. Because <laughs> this is what I was going to ask you. Oh, uh, <laughs> so so now I'm also... I'm also oh, yeah. scrambling, going. What's my next question going to be? Because I didn't prepare a backup. I usually have backups. <laughs> I didn't have a backup. Uh, so uh, there is the potential for that, and there's and it and, and it plays out even more. And I think it is likely that we're going to find that uh, that Ewa, uh, uh, the 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 mother god as of the planet, who is the the spirit of the planet. Uh, I, I think as um, Sigourney Reaver's character was dying, and they were trying to get her spirit pushed over into the avatar that was her body that ultimately didn't work that somehow Ewa uh left part of Ewa's spirit and soul in that body as they were trying desperately but had to cut it off um because we do see Kiri uh being very in connection with ewa and, and the spirit of this planet and we see the planet responding to her so i think yeah there's some very most likely, some very strong, intentionally placed overtones of the child born without uh, a biological father. And and I think my guess will be in the next movie because we're going to get three more movies. By the way, he's decided for four sequels, and so we get three more. I suspect the next one's going to be a lot around Kiri and her connection to Iwa uh, and her special birth narrative, uh, which, like you said, this time of year interesting. He also decided to put this out at Christmas. So we've got this, you know, I think he he knows what he's doing. I mean, uh, her mother's, uh, K- Kiri, uh, uh, Sigourney Reba's mother's name, or the name of her character is Grace Augustine. So don't tell me <laughs> that Cameron wasn't thinking about some Christian overtones in the story he's writing when the mother of Kiri, her human name is Grace Augustine. I mean, come on, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, what did you think about it?
0: So I had a similar interpretation because this is obviously the way that, you know, people talk about uh, someone having some kind of a special connection uh, with the sacred or some kind of a special connection uh, with with how uh, – with other people or they're going to live a great life. They've talked about this for a long time. That was the ancient way of saying that someone was special, right? That someone had a divine conception. There's some kind of mystery around their birth. So I think he's very much kind of, Tapping into this ancient wisdom here, and uh, my thought was the same that that somehow it is this great spirit that has done this. I mean that that basically is the birth narrative that we get yeah. at Christmas time. That somehow it is the the great spirit that has done this. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a mirroring of that, and. Uh, I, I also w- kind of thought as she's coming into her powers here, we get like a, a Jesus as a 12-year-old in the temple kind of moment, you know, where where she's special, but we don't know exactly how, and we don't know exactly yeah. what she's going to be capable of. And so we we have a bit of foreshadowing. Of I, of, I think, what's going to happen in the, the, next, uh, the next. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't
1: think there's any chance that she isn't central to the next part uh, of, of this story. I mean, we've got, for, we haven't really mentioned much of this in this story. What's happening is the humans are, have made Earth pretty much inhab, uninhabitable and they're needing to find another place to go. Um, and there's some wonderful, kind of almost Garden of Eden looks to Pandora that it really feels like it's this unbelievable um, space that that you know there's no other place that could be as um, spiritual and fulfilling to be. So we see uh, humans coming, which I think is fantastic. It, it is almost like a second Eden, and humans are ruining Eden again. <laughs> so in, in that- I think that's an interesting, interesting plot line there, right?
0: Yeah, and and the scene where the humans come, I think is a particularly powerful scene because we see the the Pandorans kind of enjoying life and we get Jake narrating about happiness and how happiness can vanish in a heartbeat. And the heartbeat is the humans coming in on their ships and all they do is land. And the five fires from their uh, from the, you know their burners as they're landing yeah. catches uh, catches this perfect place on fire, which leads me to my next thought and question mark, yeah. which is uh, about colonialization and yeah. uh, and how these folks were uh, colonizing the Earthlings were colonizing Pandora. Um, do uh, do colonizers or or people of people who are who are coming with some kind of ill intent do they automatically have a negative impact uh, on land just by their mere presence there um without before they even do anything is is just stepping foot somewhere else uh does that does that necessarily bring negative consequences or uh can you help me think through colonization a little bit well, um, there any yeah, positives yeah, that come from that
1: well, I can't think historically of any time that there's positives from it. But just from a pure logistic point of view, I think that what we have to say is that there is no way that coloners don't colonizers don't have an impact. The question is, can it be a positive impact? Can it be an impact that has a very a very little uh, uh, negative influence? And I think the question comes to why are we, quote, colonized? Our history is full of colonizing to gain something, whatever it is. And so we don't come in with best intentions. We don't come in trying to understand cultures and try to relate to cultures and and see how we can be mutually beneficial to each other. So my answer would be, yeah, we always go. We so far, when we colonize, it's always bad. I don't know that it always has to be, but uh, it comes down to why are why are we doing it and, and what's our motivation? I don't, I don't know. I mean, what's your take?
0: Yeah, I, I thought that the the point that you were that you brought forth about how the the Earth is already being destroyed, I, I mm-hmm. think is new. I don't remember us getting that much detail
1: about. I don't remember that being the case.
0: Other than they were mining for some kind of a material.
1: Um, well, um, I'm not sure. Yeah, and it may be. that, I, And that's just so sad since we saw the movie just a month or two ago. Uh, it may be that they're mine It may be that they quickly mentioned that they're mining it because they need this, sort, this material because it's the only thing that's going to save the Earth. I think there's some part of that storyline in there, but it wasn't heavily pronounced for sure. Yeah.
0: Whatever it was, that was the MacGuffin that got him there. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. And,
1: uh, yeah. I,
0: I thought uh, them saying that was uh, was interesting uh, this go round, and um, and the point that that whenever they arrived, it was clear that the goal was to do to Pandora the exact same thing. That had happened on the Earth, and so like the the point of co- colonialization there was to improve life for the Earthlings, no matter right. what it cost uh, and no matter what the casualties were. There was mm-hmm. uh, there, were, there were no uh, there was no kind of remorse. There was no value of human life, right? Which I mean, yeah. certainly certainly seemed to be uh, reflective of how Europeans colonized. And so it's it's also you're right. It's a it's a reflection of who are we talking about who's it best for? Um, and it's right. always yeah. always best for. Absolutely. Uh,
1: well, and it's, we also know what Cameron thinks about this. We know yeah. this very clearly what Cameron thinks about what colonizers are. Because we have, like you've pointed out, we have all these, uh, uh, some images of, of Christmas. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I said, there's this sort of a garden of Eden kind of thing. The humans come in and it is fire that destroys yeah. the, the, the the indigenous peoples. The name of the truck company that they use is Hell Truck. The name of their uh, establishment that they make there is Hell's Gate. Uh, I think Kevin was pretty straightforward on what he thought colonization uh, of uh, indigenous lands was uh, brought to those folks.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So another interesting point uh, to take us back to the theological for a moment. Uh, that I thought was interesting was again in relation to uh, the the older daughter who mm-hmm. uh, uh, who is interestingly voiced by Sigourney Weaver uh, yeah. uh, as her daughter.
1: There's, so there's a great story about Cameron asking her to do it too. Uh, he he asked her that yes. like, like, says I want you to be in the movie. She's like, Well, how are you going to do that? My character's dead. And right. he's like, uh, I want you to play a 14 year year old. And he gave a pause and, and she kind of looked at him quizzically and then she said he said we all know you're a 14 year old at heart and she uh, immediately immediately I knew he was right so I said yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in this new character she hmm. connects with with awa in the in the kind of t- tree in the cove in the sacred cove and yeah. she has and she seizes um and so jake sully's reaction is to call in the scientists to to yeah. see if they can treat her and uh, they can't find anything successful. wrong with full yeah no right and scientists are not successful and so the native healer comes in to to work and the scientists give this explanation saying it's epilepsy and there's a lot of activity in the frontal lobe and religious delusions are indicative of epilepsy, which yeah. uh, makes me wonder, Mark, are are all religious experiences uh, it's the result of some kind of... Uh, uh, mental illness or <laughs> are, are there authentic religious experiences what's your take on yeah
1: that? well my take would be that they're both uh there are very authentic ones uh and but some of the more mirac- miraculous ones that we hear about there are actually some pretty straightforward scientific explanations about the the chemicals in our brains that that push and cause these kind of things so I see where Kevin, uh what he was doing with uh that line of the story but i mean spiritual experiences have as much to do with relationships and community uh with emotional responses where you have some kind of an insight into into life into what actually matters so i i would have to say no there are plenty of spiritual um experiences that are are honestly, even scientifically understandable from a psychological points of view. Um, So I I think it was kind of a cheap shot, frankly, but that's that's okay. It's a silly movie. So sometimes they're going to make they're going to oversimplify things so we can get it in quotations. Get it. I don't know. What, What did you think about it?
0: Yeah, although I I think we'll find out that that she actually did have an experience, and that was because of her relationship with with AWA that that, uh, oh, yeah. that she had that that experience. But, uh, of, but,
1: but, but I, I would I would argue though that her um, kind of going unconscious. Yes, she had this experience where she was seeing and and interacting with, and I would even argue there was probably some chemical involved with that exchange between the two of them with the way they connect and the way that their brains kind of uh, become one almost, and that she was chasing to find out who her father was. And the answer to who her father was is probably such a difficult uh, answer that it's what caused her to seize and it was too much. There was this um, emotional, chemical response so it's both and for me uh at least the way i saw that was going on i,
0: I think that's an, an important point and th- to recognize that uh, you know a lot of times we want to attribute things that happen in religion to the supernatural and i mean right. we're talking uh, about something that is not understood completely but I, I think you're right that most of the time whenever we're talking about whenever we're talking about religious experiences they are things that that we can explain if we're open to the connection uh, between science and 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 what we're what we're doing. Uh, man, you know, I've got like a thousand more questions that <laughs> I want like your perspective on for our theopolitico thing, but we'll be here all day, Mark. So We probably would. I think we better wrap it up and we better go into our favorite segment the make me look stupid segment because i want to see now that i've stolen your question
1: uh, I see what uh, question you're um, going to
0: dream up to make me look I, stupid
1: i i just hope i find one that's even harder than my first one because now uh, you now that you've ruined it for me i really want to i really want to stick it to you
0: okay well let's come back after drop and you can stick it to me
1: Hello and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us what, for what is usually our favorite segment. But Caleb managed Betty to steal away my question in the last segment, so now I am forced to scramble. But you know what, I am a professional. Uh, I am ready to go. I'm not even going to like defer to you so I have more time to think about a question because you know why, you know why? I'm too afraid that you're gonna steal my damn question again. <laughs> so there's no way you're going first on this round. No. right. A matter of fact, I'm going to ask a two part question, just hoping that one of them may have been your question. So,
0: so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You brought this on yourself,
1: man. You brought it on yourself. You have no one to blame but you. (laughs) All right. So here's my two part question. So the humans go to Pandora in the first movie to get unobtainium and they don't ever get it. We don't hear anything about it in this movie. So the first part of the question is. Why do they why aren't they trying to get unobtainium anymore? And then the second part of the question is since they are coming back and not for unobtainium, why are why why are they colonizing Pandora a place where they can't even breathe the air? That's my two-part question. Yes, yeah, so you did this to yourself. You did this to <laughs> yourself. I didn't have that. I had to think of that during there you go. It's this all here- you, man.
0: This was this was honestly probably my biggest problem with this movie, and as I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, I I do feel like it really was a MacGuffin uh, that that it was just the catalyst to to get them there, and it felt it felt really weird that they didn't seem to care about the unobtainium anymore, and mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't feel like there was a real reason that they needed to introduce this other plot device that they needed to get the stuff from the brains of the uh of the toucan things to, that all of a sudden uh, well then, and emanating. that's something
1: we didn't talk much about because it extends life which is another our pursuit of making life longer does that matter or not like is, is there more value in life if it's longer anyway sorry and,
0: well and maybe one of the reasons we didn't even talk about it is because it didn't really play into the plot at all it had they didn't really, even, like, even
1: bother to bring it up until halfway through the movie
0: <laughs> maybe even further it didn't have anything to do with anything that they doing. True. it was That's it was true. mainly about you know the colonel's drive for vengeance uh and um it, it didn't so so it felt like the, yeah it felt like there was no real reason other than plot device for, for them to even be serving it, to, to be going after anything. So, but, but I found that problematic. Yeah. Um, why why they're trying to colonize Pandora without... Because they can't breathe there. It doesn't make much sense. It, it really doesn't make much sense. And so I have the same thought. And as I'm watching, you know, they built this new city in a year, and they're bragging about how much they've done. As hellscape, they're all, hellscape. hellscape. Why they
1: decided why they decided to call it that. As they're
0: as they're all so I'm sitting there watching watching them put on these masks. I'm like, yeah. this looks terrible. Uh is why this would the you... only in, inhabitable planets? Like there's right. some kind of life. We don't get an answer to that. And I, I yeah. feel like we kind of deserve a better answer as to why they're there and to why they've chosen this. And mm-hmm. I I I think this makes James Cameron look stupid, <laughs> I
1: Mark, mean, because I don't think yeah, we can no. answer.
0: I, or at least not I, one was
1: I know. I, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. I th- I I think the answer is uh bad writing. Uh I think that's the answer. <laughs> is that that it, it really is just bad. It's it's uh it's cheap. It's easy writing. Um yeah. and if there's any any other complaint other than the kind of over machismo misogynistic crap that runs throughout the whole Dang movie, for me it is that the writing is somewhat clunky. It is a good story. It's not a an innovative story, but it's good and interesting, and it keeps you engaged. But the dialogue itself is, is frequently not very good. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little short and stilted. It doesn't really feel authentic. But what what the some of the key points of why all of this is happening feels like they're not supported at all. Um I suspect there'll be enough complaints about it that uh he will bring in a slightly better writing team and they will try to correct it in the next movie to explain some of it away so that it makes a little more sense to sort of save the plot line of the movie. But right now that I, I can't I can't even like trying to give them like the grace. I can't figure out both of those questions seem weird. Very weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, and so that leads me to my question because it's it's. Dang crazy. it!
1: I didn't mean to help you.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> see, <laughs> uh, so budget aside, because this is okay. a super expensive movie, and it, yeah. it, it filmed like over five. Like they started filming this thing in 2017. It was it I'm was a long a process. So let's put aside the budget. It it feels like. Okay, we've got we've got two movies in six and a half hours or so worth of uh, Avatar story that we've seen. Right. We've got yeah. a, we've got three more movies planned, and uh, mm-hmm. we know that the third one is has already been like a third of the way through filming right. or something like that. So yep. that, that one's you know, and uh, unless they just decide to scrap it, it's getting made. Sure. So if you set the budget aside, Mark. Would this really be better as some kind of a, a streaming series or something like that rather than movies? Uh, I would. Or do you, or you think it works well as it is?
1: I, I would say that it's a great question. Really interesting question. Um, For me, the story definitely works better as a serial. A streaming serial. But the visuals deserve a big screen, man. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be honest, the misogyny, uh, yeah. the the, the, the uh, violence, you could l- remove the counterbalances of environmental issues, corporate greed, all the stuff we talked about. You could remove those counterbalances, which doesn't really make it okay, but it feels like, okay, at least I've got a little bit of what helps society. You could even remove that. I still want to go to a movie theater and watch this movie uh with the sound off so I don't have to sing and under hear all of the like all of the all of the crap that's wrong and not okay about it. Um I still want to see, man, I was sitting there with my three D glasses on thinking, this is big. Like yep. what the visual stuff they did. I even even once or twice removed them to see what was going. Because there were moments where I was like, "This is beautiful. This is perfect." Yeah. And he he was so refined in the way that he used the three D. There were moments where I would take my glasses off, and there wasn't a three D on the screen.
0: Hmm.
1: Like he he wasn't just using it to use it. Yeah. He only put it in when it gave the benefit of making you feel like you were present in the depth of what was going on. And then the moments where it was that was just showing off. Just strange because he showed off for a little bit there um he brought it all back into 2d and just made it visually stunning uh, so i think that was brilliantly done and for that reason it does feel like it's it belongs on the big screen but the story is more isn't really a big screen story and it's also a little too long for the big screen i mean that was my t- what what where did you end up
0: yeah. And I and I watched it in 2D because I remember the last time I watched this in 3D, like three hours of it made me sick. And we, I was also in a theater where they had like the moving seats. Oh, and I'm like, I can't I don't think I can do that for three hours. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to make me sick. So I, I watched it uh, just just in 2D. And I sat there thinking, I feel like. The story would be given more justice if this yeah. were if this were a serial. If we could watch this as a series, v-
1: visually in two D, did it feel like the big screen benefited it or not?
0: Yeah, you know, so it's it's one of those movies, just like the first one, where you watch it and you know you're watching something that's significant. And so yeah. I I think that's right. I I think that with a budget like this, to in order to do that, you really can't do it as a serial, the, you can't yeah. spend $300 million uh, on something that you're going to stream. I don't think you can recoup it. I, I mean, or maybe yeah. because, the, the, because the first one grossed over $2 billion. You got to put it right. in the theater. But if yeah. we were just talking in terms of story, I think that uh, the story would get fleshed out much more if we were able to see 10 episode, 10 hour long episodes a season or something like that. Yeah. But,
1: what do you Com- do? Completely agree. Hey, I'm going to take a personal moment now and give a shout out to one of our live viewers, Eric Cooper, who uh, has read me on Patheos, and he's one of the pagans uh, I assume that I probably celebrated in one of my articles there. I'm not sure which one he's talking about. But Eric, glad you tuned in. I hope you've seen enough that you like it and decide to continue uh, watching us and joining us here, because we have this kind of stupid geeky fun every week except for the next few weeks right
0: yeah that's right (laughs) we've got to take a little vacation ourselves and i'm I'm sure we'll be drinking and watching lots of fun movies but we're we're not going to be talking about them on the moonshine jesus show until three weeks from today
1: three weeks from today and we don't we haven't decided what show we're going to review yet but Follow us on Facebook and you will find out Uh, you can follow us individually because we will both let it be known. But also make sure you follow the Moonshine Jesus Show on Facebook, where we will announce uh, at least a week ahead of time what our next review will be. Listen, we started this, we rebooted this uh, 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 podcast this year and early this year and we've made it through an entire season almost 40 episodes this year caleb i have to tell you i have had a blast Uh, this this show sat still without being recorded for a very long time because i did not think as many times as i asked folks to tell me who they would like to see and what we should be doing um I never found the right partner to reboot this and I have to say boy did I find the right partner I, I have had the most fun with you man uh, I, I you geek out about it just as deeply as I do and quickly pivot to politics and theology you just don't find a lot of folks who want to do sci-fi fantasy superhero stuff and pivot into politics and theology um, I am so so thrilled about what we have done this year this is the last episode the last episode of our reboot episode one and i can't wait to start season two with you man
0: oh me neither it's going to be fun this has helped me with my sanity this year mark <laughs> i mean, hope right? finding someone else to geek out uh about these shows with has been yeah. a lot of fun so thank you mark i appreciate absolutely. it absolutely
1: and most importantly, thank all of you for listening and watching live. Like, you're, what, you're the folks that make us want to do this, that, that, that folks are, are joining in for, with us on all of this kind of geekiness and appreciating the pivots that we do towards politics and theology and the input that you give us. Uh, this is my favorite part of the week. And as a minister, that says a lot. There's so many things in my life that I am grateful for every week. This is the point that on a personal like outlook, I look forward to every week. And you, the listeners, are the folks that make it possible for us to do this. So thank you all so much. I wish you uh, a, a very happy and joyful, um, inclusive holiday season. Uh, from me and Caleb, thank you. And we will see you in season two of The Moonshine Jesus Show.